grinding through the episodes it's this game where with me chris and me ashley hello everybody you're right you're right yeah oh yeah right. that was a we did that as far as i'm concerned anyway on my end that was completely simultaneous it's like watching tom daly <laughs> greet somebody you're right all right yeah a little backward head we did it exactly the same time it was brilliant yeah well the i question, loved it the question still stands I'm, you're right I'm great now, yeah. After that, <laughs> yeah, good. After that feat, yeah. Are you all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm re good. Yeah, <laughs> great, good. Yeah. I'm glad. Hope the listeners Since as well. we spoke, huh? Hope the listeners as well. Being polite. Since we spoke, no, I can't remember what I was going to say now. Oh, <laughs> you forgot in the last four seconds. Yeah, crumbs. That happens far too often, to be honest. Old age, the ravages of time. I am getting there. I am getting there. I had a few uh, moments this this week of of sort of contemplating mortality. Oh Jesus Christ! What a way to start. What is it happens? I'm surprised you aren't. Nah, not at all. Carpe diem. Right. Cool. <laughs> That's how I live my life. Good for you. I was. I had a thing that I was going to talk to you about on here, and I've forgotten what <sighs> it is. I, I'm not doing very well, am I? I should write things down more often. I I thought this was my episode. I thought I had to prep a, a game, so I I um I started and then came. Uh, I went and had a look at our little notes and realised it wasn't mine, and I was completely elated. Wow! So like you've missed a week. I get confused around the. You know, we do the tens. We go off piece. Mm-hmm. I get confused on at those. I don't know where where we're picking things up. So last week's Undertale. Now it's you're sort of not really knowing who who was going to start off back again. Yeah, it's That's been a whole fair. two weeks. Mm. Well, it's my game. So sh- shall I go in with it? Since as you can't remember what nonsense we're going to talk about. Yes, please. Okay. Well, this week we are doing this game where you explore the great underground empire in search of treasure, harnessing the power of your imagination. And it's seen as extremely influential. I don't know if this is a game you've played, if it's any comfort. <laughs> uh, nah, I don't know. Nah. It is Zork. Okay. I've heard of Zork. I haven't played. Right. I haven't played Zork at any point. Mm. Zork, from what I remember, is pretty good. So, uh We'll find out. That's, that's the whole point of the podcast, isn't it? So yeah, we're playing Zork today. A I love how you forget that quite often. The whole point of the podcast. I- I'm bridging. I'm bridging. I was killing time. I was oh, getting my, right. I was oh. getting, getting Kill, my, my killing head in. time. Yeah, it's what you want. Zork in a podcast is a text-based adventure game. Uh, shall is it worth explaining what that is? Uh, I think that the people listening will probably know, but you can. Yeah, I will do anyway, just because... It's essentially, it's... I mean, it is what it says. It is a text-based adventure game. It's an adventure game with no graphics and just text. So the game works as... And it. I'm aware this, to anyone relatively new to games, it's going to sound very alien as a concept. You, Your, your whole interface, the interaction you have, is a black screen with white text, and you are, are 
um, locations and events are described to you and you interact with those events and characters by typing commands in for the character to do the character you play as uh, mm. mostly revolving around exploring solving puzzles or collecting items because it is essentially well it's not essentially it is an adventure game the command must fit the context so for example if you type in open door if there is no door in the location for you to open the game won't be able to pass what you've you've done what you've typed in uh, the program itself is almost like a narrator so when you enter into a room the program will tell you what's in the room it'll narrate what is there and there's some sort of back and forth between you and the the program uh, the creators of zork programmed in a bit of sarcasm into it which i'll talk about in a bit uh, interestingly your inventory is not l- limited by uh, the quantity so you you can't necessarily carry well you, you might necessarily be able to carry like 50 items but it's the constriction is put in place on the weight of the items. So you might be able to carry, for example, 50 feathers, but you wouldn't be able to carry 50 10-ton weights, which that was quite a cool little fact. How many 10-ton weights can you carry? Well, it depends who you are. If you're Arnie, maybe quite a lot. Who are you in the game? I don't know. I don't think you're really given a name. I think you're quite faceless. In fact, completely faceless. Literally faceless. It's a, a, a text-based game. In the game, how many feathers can you carry and how many 10-ton weights can you carry? I don't know. It was a bad example. Have you done your research? Because it's starting to sound like you haven't. What do you mean? Of course I have. How dare you? You don't know how many feathers or 10-ton or weights. You've brought them up and you don't know how many they can carry. I was using it as examples of, of things that weigh different things. and Oh, I hate it. You hate it? Can't you- I, I hate it, yeah. It's that experiment, it. isn't it? The, the feather on, on the moon and the weight on the moon. I think those are different things. That's not about carrying them, is it? It's about dropping them. Well, same same. It's not on the physic. moon anyway, because the moon's still... It's just anywhere. <laughs> it's underground. Uh, in a... in a What do you call it? In a void. Not a void. It's, a, vo- a vacuum. In a vacuum. Yeah, the game doesn't in take a vacuum, place they, on they the moon. Fall. Huh? The game doesn't place. Can we on- stop talking about the feathers and the weights? Because yep. I'm getting really confused. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh, so that's the game. And the game, re- well, initially released in 1977, but commercially was available in December 1980. So we're going way back. And probably the oldest game we've done so far. Yay. So that's cool. Yeah. I guess, in a way. It's a fact. It's a, a literal Is fact. It- oh, yeah. For sure. Carry on. Yep. The game was developed by four chaps, Tim Anderson, Mark Blank, Bruce Daniels, and Dave Lebling. I looked into their careers they've done post-Zork, and uh, Mark Blank, interestingly, continued in games. He worked on titles such as Bubsy 3D. He he ended up working for Android, and he also contributed some work to Siphon Filter, which, interestingly, was was a game I was wondering about doing today, and for whatever reason, I chose Zork, so that's quite a bit of serendipity there. And yeah. Bruce Daniels ended up working in hydroclimatology, specifically within the state of California in the early 2000s. So I can only assume, and I'm assuming, that he would have had something to do with Arnie when he was the, the governator, which would have been pretty cool. You seem to be a bit stuck on Arnold Schwarzenegger this evening. I really like Arnie. Yeah? Have you ever read his biography? Have you watched... Autobiography, I should say. I was, yeah, I was listening to it when as an audio book when i was doing gardening oh really and it, yeah you know last year when we had those 40 degree heat oh wave yeah last summer days i was listening to arnold schwarzenegger's bi- <laughs> biography at that point so i was out in the gardens d- 
doing the gardening, listening to Arnold Schwarzenegger and nearly dying. <laughs> what a life. Yeah, it was great. Well, I, I have a real soft spot for Arnie, and uh, that book is brilliant. It's it's very, very interesting. It is. Yeah. It. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. I agree. I just agree. And we're not here to talk about that book, so I don't need to go into it. We're not. So these four chaps were members of the Computer Science Research Division at MIT, which stands for... Yeah, go on. Oh, I Massachusetts you... yeah. Institute of Technology. Well done. It's one of these Did thi- you know that? Well, it's one of these things where it's it's mentioned all the time on all the films and TV shows, isn't it? MIT. And mm. it's it's one of these... I, I knew what it stood for. It's kind of osmosed into my brain. But just, you know, the fact that, that that is part of my memory is knowing what those three initials stand for just through films and TV shows. Um, I just thought it was worth commenting on. I think what you're saying they, is they don't normally do the full name. They usually just shorten it to MIT. It's well, usually just MIT. Massachusetts Institute of Technology. It's quite wordy, isn't it? There's a lot of syllables going on there, there isn't is. there? A lot of uh, sibilance, Massachusetts. Yeah, that's going to be good to edit. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, So they worked there and they all had, to a lesser or greater degree, they had had some history of involvement with games as well. So, and they were all really interested in, there was a game, a text-based adventure game that had come out prior to Zork. So you're probably looking about 76 or something, I would guess, called Colossal Cave Adventure, which is a game I've heard of through my interest in point and click games but is i've never never ever played it but it was it was no. i think the first if i remember rightly a text-based adventure game and they played it they really enjoyed it and they wanted to do that better and mm. hence zork the genesis of zork now the game is called zork because they were programming it within the MIT intranet and any program that was in development at MIT, whether it was a, a game, whether it was whatever, whatever it was called, it was just called a Zork. So because this was a program that they were working on, it was called Zork. Presumably it was called Zork 423 or something like that. And people were accessing it through the intranet and were really enjoying playing it. And the name Zork just stuck. Right. What does Zork mean? Why were they I calling things Zork? Don't know. I see. Find out. No, no. I assume it's just one of those, just a, a nonsense word. Like it's, it's a Zork. Yeah, but there are de- there are better ones. We called them applications, or we call them applications. Three syllables again, isn't it? Zork, one syllable. Bosh. Apps. Yeah, this is the mid to late seventies. All right, apps. Uh, and the, the people who were playing it at MIT were playtesting it. They were reporting bugs. They were suggesting ways to make the game better, such as a save feature and extra areas, all of which then got implemented during the development. So I quite like the idea of the, the greater team or the greater people working at MIT contributing to the game in some way. Mm. I said it released in 1977. That's because that was the initial time when it was on the intranet that they said, yeah, it's good to go. We're all good. And it had evolved into this massive sprawling epic at that point in 1977. At this point, not available commercially. And at some point um, around the late 80s, they set up a, a company called Infocom, which is a brilliant name for a company. It's proper like 80s sci-fi yeah. or, or family uh, film vibes. That became, as just a name as a brand, that got bought by Activision in 1986 and Activision continued to release games under the Zork moniker as Infocom up to 2002. They were also, Infocom was also the company that released the 
again, very well regarded game of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which I've never played, but know that it's also seen as being very, very good. And Douglas Adams specifically um, appro- was approached to turn the Hitchhiker's Guide into a Galaxy, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy into a game, and he specifically said he wanted Infocom to do it. He'd only work with Infocom because of how good their games were. So that was pretty oh, wow. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, during development, um, up to 1977, up to the game's release, um, the four people working on it worked on separate areas. For example, Lebling's role was on describing the locations, and they added their sections individually. So oftentimes, they didn't really know what the other three people were doing. Uh, but they did come together for some key bits. For example, they had the idea to make the way the program responded to the player's input a bit sarcastic, so that it felt less like the player was interacting with a computer and more like there was actually a genuine, uh, not so much hmm. genuine person, but just like some sort of character to it, I suppose. Um, so set up Infocom in the late uh, 70s, and that was when they then decided to release Zork or were able to release Zork commercially. And because Zork had evolved into such a massive title, they split it into three games. Each game is still ended up being pretty big. So you had Zork 1, which the game we're going to play today, Zork 1 was called The Great Underground Empire, which had a focus on exploration. Zork 2 was called The Wizard of Froboz, which developed the plot of the overall game and also introduced magic elements. And Zork 3 was called The Dungeon Master, and it started playing about with the mechanics of how a game works, for example, introducing time-sensitive elements. But those three are all called Zork as a whole. We are just going to be playing the first game in the title in the series uh, today, The Great Underground Empire. Mm. Okay, cool. Okay, and as they uh, they continue to work on Zork, even after release, I think, they continue to, to um, modify it and then presumably for subsequent releases. And they continue to do that up until January 1981, at which point they had to stop because they'd run out of their allotted memory of one megabyte you know, we can't can't get past one megabyte in 1981. That that's as much as we could possibly do with a game. I, I that's assume discipline. Well, yeah, it's a discipline. I assume because of storage on floppy disks at the time as well. But that sort of blew my mind as well. The fact that one megabyte that that was the game and that was it. Can't go over that. And now you know one meg one megabyte is just that's nothing, is it? Floppy disks I thought were three point four four, but the, did they just top out at the? That's the dinky ones. The before the dinky ones. Oh, you mean the big, the big? Yeah, ones. the big yeah, ones. Okay. I think they were. One, they were only one meg. I believe so. Yeah. I mean, this this is nineteen eighty one. So between the the ones that you and I are thinking of, the the smaller, the three point five inch ones that were mm. in the early to to mid nineties. I presume that that was, you know, when they came out, I'm guessing people were, you know, oh, wow, you can fit three of those big ones onto this small one here. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. That's that's a good fact, I I guess, if it is a fact. And the Infocom company, um, when the game released, they set up what was called the Zork User Group, uh, which was set up to deal with public requests for things like maps and hints, etc. And one of the things they did to deal with this was set up something called Infocom InvisiClues, which were hint booklets that had answers provided to puzzles in the game written in invisible ink. These then came yeah. these came with a highlighter so you could find out what the answer was and the ink then faded over time. So you could then come back to it a second time and the answer would have oh. faded. Um, but you could just, you know, re-highlight it again. And they became very, very popular. Um, I didn't know about that those existing, good. but I, I, I no. thought it was pretty cool as well. Yeah, I like how they've implemented that. The fact that it will fade away mm. again. 
over a bit of time. That's really great. They they also the Zork user group also set up, and this is the the, the four of them, their company. They also set up a monthly newsletter, which they called the New Zork Times. That's good too. Yeah, I, yep. th- I thought that was quite good as well. Um, Zork sold pretty well from 1983 to 1985 and then started trickling out a little bit and then they released some sequels which we'll talk about in the second half as usual it was was received very well at the time one of the reasons why it sold well was because they um, managed to get the game sold at bookstores as well in America uh, prior to that point games were sold through like mail order catalogs things like that whereas getting this to be sold in bookstores presumably the crossover with sci-fi fantasy fans that was one of the things that enabled it to um to sell really well and to become really popular mm. as well so again that's quite a novel little fact there um the yeah. reviews um cited the game's uh, humor uh, the richness of the world that it created and uh, how long to beat rated at six hours Okay. So that's Zork as a whole. Now, you may be wondering, you may not be wondering, why on earth I'm bringing Zork? Why, how did I play Zork? A simple answer to that is I had in the mid to late 90s when my uncle had his PC that I played Discord on, talked about way back in episode three, I think we did Discord. He got a weekly, a monthly, sorry, PC magazine. He brought a couple actually each month and they often came with the uh, CDs on the front that had like demos and things like that. Mm. And there was one, one month that had Zork that this one was playing today, just given away for free on the front of this, this CD. There you go, there's Zork. So I loaded it up and uh, thought it was absolutely brilliant. And I spent many a happy hour drawing maps. So, so when, when a game gives you text, you know, you're in a, a corridor, there's a door to the north, there's a door to the west. I'd sort of go to the north and I'd draw up a little bit of paper what's in through this door to the north and I'd go back and then I'd go west and draw my little map on that as well. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, and finally, the plot of the game is very, very simple. You are playing a character which, as far as I can tell, has no name at all. You are exploring the abandoned underground cave complex that was previously inhabited by the Quendor Empire and trying to uh, steal some of their treasure, I think, that had been abandoned when they all skedaddled out of the cave complex. And that is Zork. Okay. Should we go, well, should we go do some typing and do some Zorking? Yeah. I mean, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? Should we go do some typing? Yeah. Was it yeah. typing right you brought? Is it better than that? It's better than typing right. Oh, phew. It is pitch black. You are likely to be eaten by a Gru. I was a Gru. I didn't Did, come across a Gru. Well, apparently, apparently that's a, an internet meme from Zork. Oh. Yeah, okay. I, I'd not heard it either. So that no. shows how deep I go with internet memes. So I just thought I'd lead back in with that. Cool. Yeah. So that was Zork. Yep. Zork. I liked it. Pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, quite absorbing. Mm. That's a yeah, really good word for for absorbing. I, I was really surprised at how I was engrossed by it as a game. Like the the language, mm. the person uh, Dave Lebling, the person who wrote all the descriptions of the the areas, it was perfect. Like I I could visualize it so clearly from these words. Um, yeah, mm. I'm really really impressed. 
Me too. The, it's not like the language, it, it wasn't paint. In, in fact, I was going to say it wasn't painting any grand pictures, but actually I think that was one of the strengths that it had, that the language was easy to pass and yes. uh, you, you could inject or inflect it with your Im- imagination. Mm. Um, and then the and things then, were just they were painted just well enough that you could then build the rest in your brain and then there was a bit in a tree where there was a really fancy ornate so almost like a fabergé egg was the mm. the the idea i had in my head and that was described in really minute detail and that um, i found quite funny because it was almost at odds with how everything else in the game had been written yeah. because it was really really over the top really precise so actually you're right with that mm. yeah um it's easy to play it's very easy to play one one of the key things they did with this as opposed to previous text adventures was that you were able to put in commands that were more than two words so i, I might this might not be quite strictly accurate but from what i understand of colossal cave adventure having researched zork is that colossal cave adventure you could only do a verb and then a noun Whereas with Zork, they increased it so you could have slightly longer phrases you could type into the computer to interact with the world around you. And I found that really beneficial as I was going around. I was I was really able to to utilize that to explore and interact with the world around me to my very fullest. Yep. Did you ever go type any swears in? Yeah, I did too. I did it. I did two naughty boys. Yeah, I did two, two naughty boys swears. as well. And what was it that this language isn't accepted here, or something like that? Mm, yeah, this lang such language in this establishment. Or That's something the like one. That. Which again ties into that sense of humour. And I talked about in the first half. There was one mm. that that really made me laugh. Where there was, in, I was in a kitchen, and there was a bottle of water, and I drank the bottle of water, and the just I think it's maybe again the setting, the fact it's in this this white text on a black background, but the text popped up. It said, uh, uh, thank you very much. I was very thirsty. And then in bracket, from all that talking, probably. And mm. I, I, just, I just found that really funny. Well, not really funny, but it was, it, it was again, at odds with the, the genre, I suppose. And um, not, not really what I was expecting it to say. I, I thought it just said something like, you go to the water. And then it had this. And yeah, it was good. I agree. Um, I tried to break it a little bit. Oh, did you? Interesting. What did you do? Just sort of going away from where I'm supposed to be, wherever I could. This was at the start. I ended up following the path because it wouldn't let me go other places. But yeah, I tried to just sort of walk away from the house. Um, I tried to get lost in the woods. Um, I hit some impassable mountains two steps into the woods right. for reference. Okay. They were completely impassable mountains. I feel like I would have seen the the impassable mountains over the woods, but you know that's another that's another thing for another day. Um, I tried to walk into the sea. Yeah, I tried that as well. That Reggie Perry. Um, yeah, just just sort of basically doing or doing things out of order or going. To the places that you weren't supposed to go. Mm. You died. How did you die? Because I was trying to die at one point and I couldn't find where to die. Well, I actually got 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 by a Gru in the in the cave or the the passageway under the house once I got in the trapdoor because I hadn't figured out at that point because I had a lantern but I forgot to actually get the lantern out of my inventory. So yeah, the Gru got me. 
Right. Okay. Um, uh, what, so you did meet a Gru? I did. Yes, you're right. I said I didn't meet one. Yeah, I did meet a Gru. Um, what I liked in that situation where I died was I then got reset in a location slightly away from the house, which is kind of your main, your first area. And I had to yeah. find my, my way back to that. And when I got back into the house, it had reacted as if I'd already been there. So something I'd already taken was was already gone and, and a sack that I'd opened was still open. So I like that there was some continuity between the game that that it wasn't just a fresh restart. Yeah, yeah. And also, I think the game that the computer you're typing into is very responsive to the commands you, you type in. I, I felt that I, I, I felt like I was there in this game world. It was very that the the language behind it was was very well created. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. It it didn't know everything that I tried to put in, but no. it was it was fun to mess around with and sort of see what it did know well, and not and not know. Well, you ended up getting lost in a maze, and I I found yeah, the maze I didn't enjoy and that. tried to go into the maze, and the computer told me that it didn't know didn't know what a maze was, which having just yeah. had the word written there was a bit odd. But uh, I yeah. got that a few times myself. How oh, did you? Different things, right? Yeah, and whenever it, um, I so I tried to smash a bottle uh, that I drunk some water out of, and it asked me what I wanted to smash it on. So I said the wall, and then it said. Do you mean the granite wall or the surrounding wall? I don't know what the difference was. And I tried both. I tried to smash it on the granite wall and it, it didn't do anything. I tried to smash it on the surrounding wall and it didn't do anything. Both of both times, it told me that it didn't know what a wall was. Right. So I don't know what was going on there. Mm. I don't know why it's um, specified the... Um, the two walls and i don't know why i don't know why it specified the two walls and i don't know why it then had trouble passing the word mm. wall yeah that's a very strange situation which room was that in do you remember that was in any room well uh. i say that i did it in the troll room because i ran into any an issue where i had too many things in my pocket so i yep. had to drop some stuff in order to pick up a bloody axe and i thought i'll try and smash this bottle so that just see what happens so i tried to smash a bottle in there and then i tried to uh, i mean this might tell you <laughs> this is a spoiler for how i was feeling in the maze whilst in the maze i tried to um hit my head on the wall Crikey. and it asked me do do you want do you mean the the granite wall or the surrounding wall? Like again, <laughs> tried both, and it, it wouldn't let me bash my head against the walls in any in any case. Wow, bleak, and that was the point at which it was game over for you. Well, yeah. So I went into this maze without realizing that I was going into the maze because it, I went in. There was a, a hole in the troll room, mm -hmm. so I went down the hole. And then in this hole, I ended up in a maze. The maze immediately was quite intriguing because there was a man walking around who seemed to be quite hungry. And um, I, the impression that I got was he was a bit uh, sallow in the cheeks. Um, I think that was my imagination, though, because it, it did say something about him looking lean. But right. other than that, it, it didn't, didn't give any more detail. But hmm. he was wandering around with a bag on his shoulder i wanted to know what was in the bag so i tried to find the man before moving through the before moving out off into the maze 
and I couldn't find the man. So then I tried to follow the man. I all just went arse over tit. I ended up knee deep in a maze that I didn't even want to be in the first place. You could have put your so, hands on one wall and just followed it. You'd have ended up back, back at the, the entrance. Yeah, but it, it doesn't give you that option. You don't have that option. No, no. It's just a, I was just giving a bit of maze advice for the future. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, well, I ended up, I got in, into a similar situation where I got frustrated. So I, I drew, I'm just going to show Ashley, I did draw a map. There you go. And, Yay! Uh, which I did find very useful, but I ended up getting into an area really quite far from where, uh, the house, where I needed to be. And I got a bit frustrated, so I looked at a guide on the internet, as is tradition, and it turns out that what you're supposed to do is to up your score. Because so in, the, in the top corner, you've got score and moves, and the number of moves goes up each time you make a successful move, and your score goes up. There is, in the house that you start off near, there is a trophy cabinet, and you're supposed to put in trinkets, treasures, uh, interesting objects that you find throughout the game. You're supposed to go back and put them in this trophy case. Now, that had been lost on me. I didn't realise that was the case. So I wanted to yeah, backtrack back to that trophy case so I could dump load stuff from my inventory and then make on my merry way. But at this point, even despite my uh, crude cartography skills, I couldn't really easily find my way back. Now, you could in each room, you can type in look around and it brings up the blurb as to where you are again. So I could go through and do that and right okay I need to go to the northeastern passage but I was just so far into it that the idea of making my way slowly piecemeal back to the house just uh, wasn't really doing it for me no no so I mean it, it kind of sounds a little bit mixed um, from us I, I really enjoyed it up to a point and is that maybe saying something about my attention span? Is it maybe saying something about the limitations of this game? I don't know. But up to a point, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And then I just got I, I got over it. It makes me think it would be worth having a look at the genre as a whole of text mm-hmm. adventures. I've played text adventures before, and I can't name any other than Depression Quest, which was a fairly new text adventure okay uh, which is um about a person with depression so if you haven't played depression quest it looks like maybe you haven't no i've never heard it of might it be, it might be of interest okay um but yeah other than depression quest i can't name any of the text adventures that i played but i definitely remember playing text adventures when i was a kid obviously they are the grandpop uh or grandmom of of adventure games mm-hmm. Graphical adventure games. I don't know what you really call them because I've always just called them adventure games. Um, and so the mechanics are very familiar to me. And the notion that Maniac Mansion was, I, uh, I think, the first... Was that the first graphical adventure game? I'm not sure. It might have been the first one to use the, uh, scum. the scum engine. But, well, I say that. Did Maniac Mansion use scum i can't remember I i've definitely so. played that inside was it f- day of the tentacle yes I think- and i think that it works on the same premise as this like you type in open the door and so oh, okay on. Uh, when i had um, a, a brief look at my history of points and click games when i was looking into this uh the there's uh, i think it might be king's treasure might be the first graphical adventure game from uh, 80 81 something like that um Good so fact. thank you which may be wrong so I think this is, and I completely see what you say about how 
this is an adventure game. There's there's a puzzle, for example, mm. where there's a room with a railing, and the solution to get the solution to get through this room is you have to use a rope you've got to tie it to the railing and then climb down. I think if that had been presented to me graphically, I would have been able to figure that out. But just as text, I found that I, well, I, I didn't work that out. That was one of the ones I had to uh, I had to glean from the guide and was going to be something I was going to do when I went back to okay. the house, but ran out of interest to do so. Yeah, I mean, I was I was reading things over and over again to to see what I'd missed or or whatnot. So I didn't mind that. It was sort of I I kind of saw that as looking round the room. Yeah, and uh, in retrospect, so. I do feel a bit with my adventure gaming chops. I do feel a bit remiss that oh I, I didn't join the dots there because that is kind of adventure mm. game one hundred and one. But hey ho. Yeah, so they they definitely are the the grandparents of those games that yes. you and I both uh, really enjoyed. Um, I played it like <laughs> you might, you might, it maybe doesn't count. I don't know. It's not really an adventure, but there was a game on the BBC micro that we had at school in, in reception called pop P O B. Yeah. So pop is, is the same mechanic. You type in yeah, it is. A, th- a thing for pop to do, and then he'll do it. So if you, sh- if you type walk, pop will walk. He'll grow, sprout legs. Pob, for people that don't know, Pob was like a, a big red uh, spot who was on a green background. And he had a little face and no limbs, unless, of course, you asked him to do a thing that needed limbs, like walk or dance. Then he would sprout limbs and he would do those things. The dancing was interesting and strange. <laughs> Laughing. If you got Pob to laugh, type laugh, uh, that was creepy. You could also get him to explode. Did you get him to explode? I think that's one of those things that I, I, I'm aware of just because it's something that's been talked about, but I, I don't think oh. I ever got Pop to do it. So I, we had in my reception class, there was a, a BBC uh, computer of some type in the corner. And, you know, when in 1990, when I started uh, primary school, that was like the, the cutting edge. I was on the, the very mm. edge of, uh, of computing to have that in the classroom. Yeah, we had... We had a, a one that was shared around the school at one point, but then by the time I think I was in reception, we had more than one, and this was stationed in reception. So wow. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, we played Pob. I don't remember any of the games that we played on that, but yeah, Pob, Pob kind of, that's where my mind goes when you talk about typing in, doing words. Typing things in to make someone do something. Yeah. Yep. Well, there we go. So, Zork, I think like you said, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Overall, a very positive mixed bag, but it's mm. it's um, it's not something I'd be rushing back to, to play. No, I don't want to get stuck in the maze. And the only way that I can see not getting stuck in the maze is spending too much energy trying mm. to map out the maze. And I don't I don't have the energy. <laughs> I think as right you've just now. said though, as a as a curio, as a as a gaming yeah. uh, curio, and its place in gaming history, I think it's it's certainly well worth a look. Yes, it is. Yeah, mm. I definitely recommend people playing it. So going into kind of how can people play it, um, I'll just go through a brief history of Zork, uh, what happened after 1980. So Infocom kept re-releasing Zork with different, uh, bizarrely different items. And I don't know if this is a way to try and make people buy it multiple times. So for example, mm. at one point it was re-released with a travel brochure. I ended up in the dam and in the dam, there was a travel brochure for the Great Underground Empire, which is the area this is set in. So I don't know if that's what the travel brochure was. It's some sort of cross uh, 
item that kind of, you know, it's in the game. Now you've got a real copy of it. So I don't really know what that, that entails. There was also um, a another version that came bundled with a history of the Great Underground Empire. And there was also a version that came with a Zorkmid coin. Zorkmid was the currency that the Quendor Empire had used before they abandoned these caves. So you could buy, essentially, this is very much one of the, perhaps, perhaps one of the earliest games uh, coming out with a load of tat that, uh, you know, people go crazy for and then it ends up sitting on a shelf. Yeah. Yeah. Not my thing. No, not mine either, but uh, there you go. Some people love those, don't they? You know, £100, £100 version of a game. Oh, it's got a figure with it. Yeah. Yeah. There are probably worse things to spend your money on, but I can't think of them. Absolutely. I sound a bit um, sneery then. It's, you know, you do you, as they say. Yep. So that's the first Zork. And then, as I said, the, the whole Zork game got split into these three smaller games. And then the true sequel came out in 1987, which is called Beyond Zork, The Coconut of Quendor, which is a very <laughs> intriguing title, and that introduced RPG elements. What was the ugh for? I don't know. It, it sounds too... Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Just let's not dig into it. it All right. It sounded like someone trying to be Douglas Adams or someone like them. You know, like a proto Terry Pratchett. That was exactly but, the thought I had was Terry Pratchett, and uh, yeah, I think yeah. I think Douglas Adams, you're probably a bit right. It, it sounds like someone trying to again, basing it on the title and don't judge a book by its cover, but just from that title, it sounds like someone trying to write a parody of a a sci-fi or a fantasy book. Yeah, which I it might just be on. Unfair because when did Coconut of Quendor come out and did it predate 87? So, yeah, okay, so it definitely didn't predate Mr. Adams. No, because at this um, point, Douglas Adams had said, I want Infocom to, to make yeah, the game of Hitchhiker's yeah, Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, and Discworld so, yeah, was it kind a of feels thing. like he's trying to 88. They're trying Discworld started in 1983. Oh, gosh, I was out then. So Terry Pratchett's been banging around. I'm sure there was some cross-pollination and they were each feeding off one another. You've already said about Douglas Adams liking Zork mm-hmm. and, and uh, yeah, maybe it's unfair to cringe at the notion that there's a coconut of Quendor and, and, and liken that to Terry Pratchett and Douglas Adams because they were all around the same time. They were, they were possibly all seemingly, it mm-hmm. sounds like, feeding into one another Um but then I don't... This is my first Zork. It's yes. not my first Terry Pratchett. I'm versed in that. And then 1988, along came Zork Zero, The Revenge of Megaboz, M-E-G-A-B-O-Z, which introduced graphical elements for the first time. Okay. Then there was a bit of a, a fallow period in the Zork series, and then in 1993, along came Return to Zork, and this was the first Zork that had graphical completely, so not just graphical elements, it was a graphical adventure. That mm. was then followed in 1996 by Zork Nemesis, and 1997 by Zork Grand Inquisitor, which introduced FMV sequences using actual real actors, including one of them being Michael McKean, uh, who has who was one of the people who was in Spinal Tap and uh, quite a few other films. I think he popped up in a lot of Christopher Guest's subsequent films as well. And he popped up in a Zork game. So that was a cool little fact. Okay, cool. Yeah. When did they start going bad? Do we know when they... 
those, when they sort of went off the boil. Those three are generally considered by fans to be a bit stinky. So right, there uh, we around, go. That's around what then. I thought might. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the original three then, over the course of the 90s, got re-released several times as a whole trilogy, um, including, interestingly, a graphical version of just the first Zorg, the one we've played today. A graphical version of that got released on the PlayStation 1 and Saturn in the mid-90s. And right. Presumably, uh, well, as there weren't graphical versions of the second and third ones, one can infer how that was received. Hmm. And that, that that trilogy is what is currently available that people can play it on nowadays. The trilogy called the Zork Anthology, it's the, the first three games, Zork 1, Zork 2, Zork 3. That is available on Steam and good old games. At the time of recording, it's just over £3. So not really that much. There are other ways to play it at the moment as well, which I will... Uh, I'll talk about momentarily. Um, so just put a pin in that, we'll come back to that. Um, just in terms of Zork Interestingly, it became seemingly a bit of a franchise in the early 80s as well. There was there were a couple of choose-your-own-adventure books released in 1983 and 1984. There were a couple of novels released based on the game as well. In 1996, as late as 1996, there were plans for a TV series and live-action film based on <laughs> Zork. And um, in 2010, there was a documentary documentary called Get Lamp, named after one of the instructions in one of these text adventure games mm. uh, that was all about um, interactive fiction as a genre, the text-based adventure games with Zork obviously featuring heavily in that. So if you're a Zork fan and hadn't heard of that, then that's maybe well worth your time. So interestingly, the most recent or one of the more recent occurrences of Zork being available for people to play is it pops up as an Easter egg in 2010's Black Ops game, because that was published by Activision. Uh, apparently, right, yeah. apparently, it's accessed via the main menu, just as an Easter egg. It's just, yeah. just, just there. So, um, if that's Black Ops from 2010, so if you have an Xbox One, you've obviously got the chance to be able to play Xbox 360 games. Uh, and so, if you wanted to or had a copy of, of Black Ops, then that would be one way you could play it. But a lot easier way to play it would be to buy it off Steam or Good Old Games. There is also an app. There is also an app called Frotz, F-R-O-T-Z, which is a free app that is available on um, on iOS devices and I think Android as well. And that's almost like a um, a catalogue of text-based adventure games, and okay. as, and Zork appears on there as well. So. Hmm. There are multiple ways to get your hands on it. Right. Cool. Well, people have got no excuses then. I have heard a rumour that the game is also very nudge, nudge, wink, wink, Googleable. if one wanted to play it that way as well. Got it. However, Activision does still have the copyright for the game. So while the code is, so I've heard, freely out there on the internet, uh, then accessing it via the internet is not maybe the most legal way to access it right okay so i i see what you're saying um it's the sort of game that you'd think given its age and given its uh status because they're not making zork now it's the sort of game that you'd think would have fallen into abandonment yes um territory so i'm surprised to 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 hear that maybe that hasn't happened hmm um, I mean, 
But There's I, a possibility that it has in some fashion that we're just not aware of. Maybe. Oh, absolutely. I suppose because it's available in so many other ways and means that mm. you know you can access it via via those methods instead. Where one to yeah. to look, I wouldn't know. Obviously, no, no, me neither. And there we go. That's Zork done. Yeah, I genuinely, I'm glad that we played that. That's mm. that. I was a bit sneery at the beginning because it was uh, the oldest game that we played so far, but it was quite refreshing to see something that's a little bit, well, that that's aged, that also doesn't feel stale. Mm. You know, there's there's a lot of games from this the early '80s that I think if we if we fired them up now, it would feel a bit painful to play. And whilst we ran into some trouble, maybe, um, I think that it was very easy to approach this game on its own terms and to get into the right mindset to enjoy it. And it, it and it was almost immediate that I felt that happened. So yeah. um, it, it was it was a bit of an eye opener, I think, for me. And I, I'm just really glad. So thank you. I, yeah. We never would have gone this far <laughs> if no. it was up to me. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I was same sort of thing really. I was I was very impressed with it as well. And I think that as I said already, as we've said already, that the point at which we both got fed up of it was actually both us as players. It was nothing to do with the game itself, yeah. which was interesting in and of itself as well. Because as you said, it has aged very, very well. Yeah. Yeah, it has. Yeah. I, I think that might be true of the genre, with the exceptions of badly written ones. Yes. So there we go. Uh, that's episode 161 done. Next week will be one of Ashley's games. Um, so in the meantime, please feel free to come and join us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And like, share, subscribe, rate, and review as well, please. Yes, please. That would be lovely. Thank you for sticking around till the end. And if you play Zork, let us know what you think. Yeah. See you later. Bye.